podcast by the National Institute of Economic and Social Research, NISA. I'm Paola Buonadonna. The February 2018 issue of our Economic Review contains interesting new research on what is one of the biggest and oldest social policy conundrums. Can we have better schools for all? And how should we go about it? Here to discuss the highlights of the new research is my NISA colleague, Lucy Stokes. Lucy, you have co-edited this special issue of the review. Why did you decide to look at this issue in particular? Education's never far from the top of the policy agenda. Recent years have seen governments put considerable time, effort and energy into reforms to the education system with the aim of improving pupil attainment and school performance. But despite that, there's still considerable concern about pupil attainment and the performance of our schools. There's been a growing amount of research on how pupil attainment can be improved but there still remain substantial gaps in the evidence base about how we can improve both school and teacher effectiveness. In this issue, we wanted to bring together a collection of papers looking at school performance. So let's start from um, the first paper, which is the one you co-authored, about assessing how important schools are in pupil attainment. Tell me a little bit about that. In this paper, written with Alex Bryson and David Wilkinson, we look at the variance in pupil attainment and see how much of that's accounted for by schools, We're looking at secondary schools in England over the period from 2009-10 to 2015-16 and that's a period which has seen quite a lot of change in the school system. For example, the big expansion in academy schools where schools have greater autonomy over over how they do things. And and for pupil attainment you mean um, how well student performance academically? That's right, exactly. We're looking at academic attainment measures and particularly in this paper we're looking at attainment at the end of key stage four when pupils are about... 16 years old. And what did you find? Well what we find is that schools actually account for a minority of the variation in pupil attainment which might be contrary to what you first think given so much of policy efforts and research focus on what we can do to improve school performance and so on. But if you look for example at one of the measures Progress 8 for the latest year of our analysis you'll see that schools account for about 14% of the variation in that particular measure. That's not to say schools don't matter, they certainly are important, but it's important to remember that other factors outside of the school system matter too. For instance? Factors such as the families we grow up in, the neighbourhoods, even genetics. So in terms of policy implications, um, people need to be aware that the relentless focus on schools might not be all of the answer, it's just part of the answer. It's part of the answer, exactly. We need to focus on other aspects too, but schools are important and perhaps that's Indeed, partly because schools are one area where it may be more feasible for policy to intervene. Now, the second paper in this special issue asks whether private schools manage better. That that is a very interesting and controversial question, I dare say. Um, What did you find out? Well, Paula, this has attracted a lot of policy attention, whether state schools might be able to benefit in some way from partnership or sponsorship arrangements with private schools. It's important to understand what state schools might get from that sponsorship arrangement. Of course, you can think that, might, that benefit might come in various forms through resources or, or other factors. But one potential route is perhaps management. So there's an interest in looking at whether management practices in private schools um, may on average be better and therefore state schools may benefit from partnerships with such schools. And what did the paper highlight? Well, actually... The paper's really interesting. So this piece of work by Alex Bryson and Francis Green looks at the prevalence of a particular type of management practices, human resource management practices, 
And actually what they find is that those practices were typically more common in state schools than they were in private schools. Hang on a minute. So in fact, it turns out that uh, state schools are better at managing? I guess it's not quite that straightforward. So there will be a lot of variation. So there's some private schools that will have um, very good management practices. So there may well be scope and benefits to state schools which are not doing so well entering into arrangements with such schools that are very good at management. You can almost, though, imagine a situation the other way around. You might get some private schools that could learn about their management practices from some high-performing state schools. This is important because if we're going to have such sponsorship arrangements, it's clear to understand what the benefits might be from that. And it would look from this research that at least on a widespread, on a widespread scale, on average, it wouldn't be the case that state schools would be benefiting from the better management among private schools. They may well bring other things that are beneficial for the state schools, resources, for example, other forms of governance leadership that could be, could be of value, perhaps that's something for future research. But on average, it would suggest that just doing this on the basis of management practices would not be helpful. We then have a paper looking at schools with a high turnout of newly qualified teachers, which is not a good thing, I take it. So this paper by Sam Sims and Rebecca Allen looks at identifying schools that have both high usage and high loss of newly qualified teachers. Teacher shortages in England have been worsening in recent years and mm -hmm. declining rates of retention among newly qualified teachers are one contributor to that. Those retention rates are not, of course, spread evenly across schools. Some schools are going to use more and lose more newly qualified teachers. And there are some studies out there that suggest part of the reason for that is working conditions. It would be possible if we wanted to identify which schools had particularly high loss of newly qualified teachers just to look at turnover rates. However, doing so would be quite misleading, particularly, for example, these would be influenced by the size of the school. So if we just looked at turnover, this might be a bit misleading for small schools. Instead, what the authors of this paper do is they use an alternative method that's actually been used a lot in the health statistics literature to identify schools that are both using and losing an unusually high number of newly qualified teachers. This method might help newly qualified teachers in being able to identify schools where there has been high use and high loss of newly qualified teachers such as themselves. It also might help to identify those schools that are in, in need of help and support to help improve conditions in their schools so that they can help improve retention rates for this group. And there is a fourth and final paper in, in this review. What is that about? That's right. Our final paper by Jake Anders, Morag Henderson, Vanessa Moulton and Alice Sullivan looks at subject choice at age 14 and whether that has an impact on access to university and specifically high status universities. As you know, recent years have seen a real focus on the curriculum that people study between ages 14 to 16, mm -hmm. particularly with the introduction of the English Baccalaureate Performance Measure that aims to incentivise study of subjects that the Russell Group have identified as key for university study. In this paper, the authors look at whether studying specific combinations of subjects has an impact on whether those young people go on to university. If you look just at whether young people have studied those subjects or not, you'd see there's a big difference. So, for example, the group of students that did take the set of subjects that form part of the English Baccalaureate, that group were much more likely to go on to attend university compared mm -hmm. with those that didn't. However, there are big differences in the characteristics of groups that undertake certain sets of subjects. For example, these, the subjects that people study differ by gender, prior attainment, factors around their family and so on. 
So what the authors do is they take that into account. They try to compare young people who are very similar, but they just differ in the fact that they take different subjects. Once you do that, you find that the role of subject choice in explaining whether you go on to university is actually much smaller. What can we take away from all this? So first of all, schools do matter, but it's important not to lose sight of the fact that other factors outside of the school system are important too. And as we've already said earlier, schools and their staff are one area where it's perhaps more feasible for policy to intervene and bring about change. I think one other thing that resonates with me is the difficulty in actually assessing school performance. We tend to do that by focusing very much on attainment, but actually other outcomes matter too. It's very easy, well, not necessarily easy actually, it can be quite complicated to measure attainment and certainly as metrics change over time. But other outcomes that schools might help to develop confidence and self-esteem are harder to measure but undoubtedly important as well. In terms of how we might improve school performance, the remaining three papers in this issue have looked at some areas that may provide some potential clues management practices, teacher recruitment and subject choice. But it's clear that the factors contributing to improving school performance are actually quite varied. Clearly continuing to extend the evidence based on what works in schools is really important. However, it's vital for all of us to bear in mind that actually improving school performance is about much more than just improving attainment. Thank you, Lucy. This is all we've got time for today. We'll be publishing a number of blogs relating to the articles in the special issue of the review in the next few weeks. You'll find them on our website together with other blogs, podcasts and specialist briefings. The address, once again, is www.niesr.ac.uk. For now, goodbye. <laughs>